Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about a Peruvian-Russian film, or Peruvian film uh, with a partially Russian cast and partially in Russian, called Todos Somos Marineros, or in English, <laughs> We're All Sailors. We're All Sailors. You have a particular interest in this, Jose, so why don't you tell us why and what it's about? Um, well, my particular interest in it is that it's the debut feature film of, I suppose, a former student from the EICTV, the the famous uh, film school in Cuba. Uh, where you and, teach every year. Yeah, where where I go teach every year. And this is uh, his debut feature, basically. What's his name? Uh, Miguel Angel Moulet. He, uh, he wrote and directed it. Uh, he's actually someone who uh, specialized in, in script writing, actually. So I don't think he... And, and, and he, you know, he's a very good writer... Uh, I don't think he expected to be making uh, a, a debut feature as a as a director, um, but I think he's he's extremely talented. Uh, and, and so the reason that we're watching this, we we watched this um, uh, on a Vimeo stream that he provided you. Yes, on a link. So yeah, uh, uh, I was going to uh, hedge that a little and say, isn't <laughs> eavesdropping at the movies coming up and going places? We're now getting like free. <laughs> Pre-release screeners. <laughs> well, this, is, this is what I didn't know because I didn't know anything about this. Um, uh, this was obviously this was your kind of you know come over and let's watch this. And um, I didn't know if it had been released or not. You told me that it's been doing the festival rounds. It's been doing the festival rounds, uh, and it's it's already won uh, a couple of prizes. Let me let me check up on IMDb because I've got it here. Uh huh. Um, uh, Festival de Cine de Lima, uh-huh. uh, Premio. Actually, you better do it because it's all in Spanish. Okay, so it's a, de- <laughs> it's a debut feature. Can I see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, so so uh, he's won um, uh, the Festival de Cine de Lima, uh, the the uh, best uh, screenplay, uh, best fiction screenplay. He's also uh, won the jury prize. He's been nominated for uh, best first work at uh, the Latin American Film Festival in Lima. In Toulouse, he won the Fipressi Prize, uh, which is, you know, quite a, um, a, a very prestigious uh, prize for Latin American cinema. And he's also been nominated for the Grand Prix. So, you know, this is... The reason why I wanted to talk about it is really to get your perspective on it, but also with the idea that, you know, we're not covering an art, enough art cinema. There are all these films that do the festival rounds that, you know, are often highly acclaimed and that never get into uh, uh, circulation in Britain, except maybe through things like movie. So so really, I just kind of, well, two things first. I wanted to open up, you know, our horizons on what we're, we're, we're seeing and talking about. But also, I've seen this film before. Oh, Yes, okay. I you know I it was screened for me at uh, the film school in Cuba about a month ago or so. Oh uh, right. Okay. And I really just wanted to know what you thought. I mean, I will obviously you know this is our podcast, so I will I will tell you what I thought later. But I'm very curious uh, for for your views, and um, this will probably take on a kind of a, an interview kind of format because I you know I want to know what you think, and then I wanna I want to know what you think about particular things in the film. Gosh, um, well... Uh, did you like it? I did like it. I th- uh, um, <clears throat> yes, I did like it. Um, I think it's, it's very beautiful, and I like its tempo. I didn't follow everything, I uh-huh. don't feel like. I, I, it's not elliptically told or anything like that, but there are points where I wasn't entirely sure what was going on, which... So I got slightly lost at points. And I don't think it's overly complicated. I think it's more my fault than the films that I got lost. Well, we can talk about um, those things. It's, it's about, let's say what it's about, this um, uh, Russian fishing ship, I think, that's stranded in a port in Peru. Um, the The company seems to have gone bankrupt. There's no money. There's just It's a kind of minimally staffed thing. It's uh, Your main character is this guy, Anatoly, or Tolia, yeah. uh, played by Andrei Slavkov. Yes. Uh, his brother, Vitya, is played by Ravel Sadriv. And he also works on this ship. Um, and they have to, I guess, kind of try and make a life or what's 
they're, they're kind of stranded, so they yeah, seem to have to be making a life on the land in Peru. Yeah, they're they're in a no man's land basically because the corporation they work for has let them loose. So basically, they have been left in the ship to look after the ship because the ship is a valuable thing. But on the other hand, they're stranded, so they're they're not receiving any wages, any salary. You know, they don't have any right to be in the country in Peru. Mm. So they're in this no man's land where they can't get home, but also they can't really stay where they are, uh, or certainly not for very long without papers. Yeah, and kind of, you know, part of trying to get papers and just trying to get by is one of the things that we see in the film. Yeah, and um, they know a couple of people uh, in Peru, they, or they, they've got to know a couple of people, and they already know them by the time the film starts. Yes. Um, so uh, Tito is this young lad he's, he's the kind of he's the kind of character who always has something to say and he's um, got lots of energy and he's quite involved he's a young boy who delivers um, uh, lunches and he's very, he's, he's very charismatic in the film he's yeah. played by Gonzalo Alejandro Vargas Vilela uh, and you know he really livens up yeah, every moment he's in I think yeah he's one of those he's that kind of character that steals every scene he's in he's, yes it's. I mean, it's. It's a very. Uh, it's a very generous role to be given. I think. Yes. Um. And then there's Sonia, who uh, is. They seem to be friends. The two of them. She's. Uh, she's older than he is. She's been looking after Tito since he started high school. Right. Yeah. So we don't know very much about the background story. Why he ends up with her. Yeah. But basically, she's kind of his mother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically, behaves. She's like raised them. Yeah. Exactly. Um. She's played by uh, Julia Thays. Mm. Um, and she and Tolia have uh, a, a relationship. A relationship, um, and she's the one who makes the sandwiches. She runs this um, sort of uh, uh, sandwich shop in the market, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's more than a sandwich shop. It's like a restaurant that feeds people in the market and also delivers lunches and breakfasts. Exactly. Yeah. And and Tito is the one who delivers them. Yes. So he gets around everywhere. He knows everybody. Um, so, so the film op- the film opens up on. Uh, I guess this is a spoiler. Um, the film opens up on a scene that it turns out is actually from much later in the film. That's right. And it do- I don't think it announces. You know, it doesn't do a kind of oh three weeks earlier. Thing. Yes. So you are left to figure that out later. Yes. The film opens up with this first person view. In fact, I didn't know anything, and I thought the film was a horror film from the start. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because it opens up on this um, first person camera view from it's Vitya, who's been um, I think it's Vitya. It's been. Uh, it is the Jim. attacked. Yeah, the younger brother, and he's he, he kind of wakes up on the uh, on a floor basically in like some sort of basement thing. In and a shot that's out of focus. That's yeah. right. The shot's out of focus, and he looks around and kind of comes into frame, but the camera's behind him, sort of as he's looking around, and you see mm. uh, a wound on the back of his head that kind mm. of comes into focus and then leaves focus again as as the camera keeps moving. It's all done in this long take, and then his brother's there, comes towards him, says, "Oh, you had me worried," or something like yes. that. So you go, well, there's been some sort of fight or attack here, and the, the, the visual style, the colour palette is kind of muted and quite like a sickly green-blue. Yeah. So I thought, this is a horror movie. Like, there's, got, there's a zombie attack or something, okay. and we're seeing the aftermath, right? Okay. Like, it really kind of started creeping me out. And obviously, that's not how the film develops. The film mm. is this uh, much more sort of human drama. Mm. Um, but I thought it was a really effective opening. Yes. You know, I got, I, I, it may ask me... Ask loads of questions, you know, who are these people and so on, and it's it's a really, really strong opening. Yes, good. Um, What did you think about the, uh, the, what do you you think the themes are? The themes, I think, are kind of self-determination and finding out the fact that these people are, as we said, stranded Mm. and lost. They don't know... they, They don't seem to know kind of where their home is now. They talk about going home. There's this talk of um, uh, Tolia stealing the radar to sell it. It's mm. it, initially they think it's someone else, and it, he basically admits to it. Mm. And because because they have no money and so on, he was going to kind of take this. He found a buyer. He was going to sell the radar, uh, and with that money, he'd be able to return home. And I think he even talks about returning home with Sonia. That's right. Um, so that there's the kind of the, the sense of loss of place and to some degree identity that goes along with that in Tolia is quite kind of palpable. Hmm. Um, I kind of want to say family, but family is such a general idea and also that 
the, the specificities of it I haven't sort of figured out but there's obviously something going on there's a, there's a kind of protective relationship between Tolia and his brother yes. and at one point when they're rigging the, the, the mast or whatever the um, uh, they're having this conversation and it's clear that Tolia is protective of his brother but he says you know you're an adult now you can do what you want mm. but don't come crying to me if it doesn't work out and and you've got a similar ish relationship with Sonia and Tito where you know she's not his mother Tolia's not Vilya's father but they are seem to have looked after these these younger uh, sort of companions as though they are their mother and father yes. so so there's that parallelism there which I think is 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 very neat I think the film is about family in a way but I think it's also about people who are who are stranded and alone you know uh, and who and who love like you know one of the what, what I love about this film is that you can see the feelings that all the characters have for each other yeah so for example I was very moved by the relationship of the two brothers yeah yeah you know kind of it's so accepting and so caring and you know there is like you can feel the love really yeah mm-hmm. and, and the caring I think you can also see the same between Sonia and Tito yeah and kind of yeah. Um, and I think you can see the same thing between Tolia and Sonia, yeah, that they both really care for each other. On the other hand, you know, he's basically announcing that he's leaving while, you know, she's making these plans to set up a restaurant with him. That's right. Right? So, so I think, I mean, I love that kind of messiness of the film where, you know, the love is clear and it's palpable. But life things get in the way, and it's not always what you want, and it kind of and it's complicated, you know. Mm. Um, so, um, but I, but I do think it's 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 about it's about people being fundamentally alone. That's that's yeah. you know what I think it's about because you know kind of Tolia is not very articulate. Yeah, kind of Sonia never says stay and do this with me. Yeah, she's kind of very nurturing, you know. I think her offering food is a replacement for having any kind of deeper conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, Tito is clearly in trouble. Like, there are certain things that you see beforehand, right, that indicate he's with a bad crowd, he's getting beaten up regularly, you know, he's selling stuff in the black market, which could be dodgy, yeah. right? Um you know, there's further suggestions, like, you know, the, the scene in the motorcycle ride, which reminded me a lot of my own private Idaho, right, which is, you know, about these hustlers in Portland, right? Yeah. There's a sense of that as well, you know. I mean, you know, Tito's a hustler, basically, right? Yeah. So, so I, love, I love kind of those ambiguities, but there are also kind of differences. So, you know, Tolia's very recessive. Uh, uh, Vitya is obviously, you know, I mean, there's this discussion where his brother talks about how the happiest days of their lives when, were when they went to visit their uncle in the country, you know, in this house and everything. And the brother says, well, you know, you were the first one to leave. And then mom died and the house was destroyed. I, in a way, they have nothing to go back to, right? But this nostalgia for home is also kind of preventing Tolia from getting on with his relationship with Sonia, right? Or making kind of, you know, so there's this dream of home, but in the meantime, you know, like John Lennon said, life is what happens when you're making other plans, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, so kind of, um, so, so I, I kind of, I loved all of that, actually. I mean, I think kind of the only thing that I'm not too sure about is actually almost the climax of the film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where kind of, um, uh, 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 Vitya and uh, Vich- Tito. Vitya and Tito get caught fucking. They're discovered fucking, and this is this is the scene that I mentioned opens the film. The aftermath of of this is what opens the film. Yeah. So Tolia discovers them. Yes. And attacks them. I'm not. I know. Well, so what happens is that Tolia finds them, finds him. Uh, they disentangle kind of uh, very quickly. Yes. Uh, Tolia goes to his brother and says, you know, what, what are you doing? And he says, you know, stay away from my relationships. And he says something like, basically, you call this a relationship, right? Because it's just happened. Though there are intimations of that, right? 
you see the boys in the market before you see he's been helping out he's received a new watch from Tito mm-hmm. right so you know this something is hinted at as developing into this um, but then what happens is that you know Tito I suppose wants to I mean there's this internal homophobia where he's trying to pretend you know that you know he's been attacked into this or he's been sexually molested to Tolia and uh, goes to hit Vitya yeah oh right was that see this is this is, I guess is one of the things I didn't follow inside I think that could have been filmed better actually I think you know it's important that Tito's the one who instigates the violence right right so he goes to attack him with a with a with a club or a metal thing right and he yeah. kicks him right so he right. kicks him once and then he goes to attack and then Tolia pushes him away you know and then once uh, uh, Vitya stopped having his spasms you know he goes to check on Tito and Tito goes to hit him and then you know you you can tell he's a very powerful man who's been boxing and he just Vents this is Tolia is, is beating on Tito. Yeah, and beats right. him unconscious. Yeah, um, Vitya's still on the floor. Yeah. I think you're right, it could have been filmed better. And this was obviously one of the places in the film where I got slightly lost because I wasn't clear on what was happening in that scene entirely. Yes. Um, it's shot in a very I, wide angle with a lot of the actioning ha- happening on either side of the frame yeah. in a long shot so that you're forced to look, right? And you're forced to discover things on your own. Yeah. Um, and. I do think that maybe that's not the time. It's such a critical moment in the film <laughs> that maybe that's not the time to 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 get the audience to look for those things. Actually, so I think. Um, but the whole thing. I mean, the reason, you know, the reason why Tito turns on Vitya with such violence is something that seems to come out of nowhere, right? Mm. Like, you know, so even if he's not out, even if he's passing even if he's ashamed of himself for being gay i think those things could have been maybe um given a stronger foundation or kind of you know made clearer dramatically yeah built up to yeah uh, it seems to come out of nowhere um and also the thing is that the character of tito is so alive and sympathetic and so on that you know kind of turning like that against someone he clearly likes is um do you think it feels too out of character? Yes, I, do. I think it does. Mm. What do you think? Well, I, I think... Uh, yeah, I can, I can sympathise with that point of view. I think maybe then what the film is, is trying to do is to kind of emphasise the, the strength of his kind of internalised homophobia because in that, like, we have seen no indication of this. Yes. And the fact that it comes out now so violently is kind of the point yes um, that it that it does appear to come out of nowhere this isn't something that you've seen him at all yes. until now but I can I can see what you mean um, I, I I don't know I mean I think it's the it's it's the climax of the film in a way right um, and it's it's the one burst of violence that we see mm. you know so I I just personally would have liked that to have been uh, more clearly developed dramatically I mean the film is full of, you know, very interesting ambiguities, and I like that. You know, I like that, you know, there are things that can resonate, you know, that are complex, that are not quite fixed, yeah? You know, that kind of you you interpret, yeah? Um, but then I do think that that is something that I would have liked to be much clearer, you know? Um, however, I mean, there are things that I just love about the film, like... You know those whole scenes where they're the, the the Tito again is selling stuff through the market. You know, yeah. I think that's kind of one of the things that I just love about seeing foreign cinema because, you know, you're not just getting information about the character; you're getting information about a whole way of life, mm-hmm. right? And you know, the the jobs people do, the food people eat, how that food is delivered, what's on sale in the market. Yeah, like yeah, you how get they talk to each other. how they talk to each other, how they do they interrelate the dishes they're buying, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a menu. So I yeah, love point, that. I actually, I mean, the film kind of directly approaches that that scene where that scene where Tito and Vitya are, are chatting together, and um, and he says, "What's this food that you?" I can't remember the name of the food, but what what is that? Yeah, you know, and he explains it's uh, it's it's hen. 
and then they say the, the difference between hen and rooster and what yes. is it in Russian and so on. So you know, which also has all those, which that is feeding into what happens later because that has all those sexual connotations, right? Mm. You know, <laughs> yeah, kind of hens um, and roosters. Yes, I think I, I think there's a there's a little bit of a sexual talk going on with the animals, right? With that, those discussions of the difference between you know hens and roosters and not having a girlfriend and you know uh, and also kind of he does say it, oh, well, he says uh, he says what you've never eaten hen yes hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway and then there's the whole thing with the dogs you know mm. uh, um, the, one you dog, know. the one dog's a little flirt yes and you know and and, and the, the other the one other is dog, he's gonna fuck as many bitches as he likes that's right he gets out. but also you get the feeling that the only love he's really getting is from the dogs yeah. right yeah. you know so so i i i loved all of that i love the procession the that's, shots that's the quite process. interesting actually sorry not uh, that, that that kind of i remember when we were talking about on um, the shape of water and how like it was obvious five seconds in that richard jenkins character was gay and not in the kind of most wholesomely um sort of uh, portrayal because it's quite stereotypical he's just kind of he's mm. holed up in his apartment and he's got I think he's got a pet I think he's got a fish yeah. or something and it's like all of the, all that all those symbols of someone who's just a lonely gay man mm. and um, and you kind of see one or two of those symbols in a way here but, but that idea of the dogs him keeping his dogs and getting love from his dogs and it's not the same thing it's not like he's a depressed lonely person no but that is kind of an interesting symbol that it shows up in a way here, I think. Well, I think that, I think there's quite a few things. Again, you know, um, he's mixed in an underworld, you mm. know, which in a place where kind of uh, uh, homosexuality is repressed, you know, that's the places where you can find it. It all goes underground, right? And then it kind of mixes in, you know, with criminal elements uh, often, you know, yeah. and so on. So you see him in this world that is kind of like an underworld, right? There's a scene where... You know, one of the guys he's with says, "Tell t- you know, tell me, tell me when to do it, and I'll off him. I've got four bullets left, right?" And you <laughs> yes. know, so he's mixing with those kinds of people, right? Which obviously that's that doesn't have connotations of homosexuality. That he's you know he's in he's dealing with people in an underworld, but when you combine all the things together, it begins to add up. Yeah, yeah, Chris, you know. like a picture. Uh, so. Um, and also, you know, the buying of uh, Vitya this watch, right? Yes. With the brother saying, don't get mixed up with him, you know? So, um, so, so kind of, as you go over it in your mind, it begins, you know, it, it does add up. Um, do you think that when the brother sees the watch, when Tolia sees the watch, he suspects a relationship, or do you think that's j- just about keeping away from Tito because he's mixed up with wrong people? I'm, I'm not sure, right? Um, but it could be either. Yeah. But what I am sure of is, you know, that he knows about his brother's sexuality, okay. you know. And it isn't a problem before and it isn't a problem after, right? Like, I mean, they've been living together all these years and it must have happened before. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have an issue with it after, right? I think it was the fact that it was with Sonia's son that was the problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. Sorry, you were going to talk about the procession. Yes, no, I kind of... So again, you know, with this idea of this, this, this movie depicting a whole way of life, it's set in an astonishingly beautiful place, right? Which is Chimbote, which is a, a fishing port. Um, I don't know where it is in Peru, but, you know, we're not seeing the capital. We're seeing this little town, mm. you know, kind of on the coast, uh, which is, you know, obviously like a, a port town. Yeah, and it's just incredibly beautiful. Like, it's got mountains and it's got sea um, and it's got this beautiful, dense light that you see. And, you know, some of those images are, I find, just stunning. Right? Yeah, there are times when they shoot through a kind of... It's not quite a fog. You can still see everything, but it's a kind of... It's like in the distance, the the, the air just becomes thick and light diffuses through it. Yeah, You get these beautiful kind of rich, wide sunsets. Yes. Things. They look amazing. Yes. I think the whole of that town looks amazing. Um, you know, and also you get to see where the kids hang out and where they play football and, you mm. know, kind of where they meet and so on. So I, I kind of, I loved all of that um, as well. Um, the writer-director you mentioned is Peruvian, right? That's right. So he comes, these are places that he knows, this is the world that he's bringing us into. Yeah, I think, I think he might be from there, from Chimbote. Um, but... Um, 
One of the things that he told me when I talked to him, Miguel Angel told me that the whole film was inspired uh, by this amazing workshop that he went to, where the you know it, it, it was a, a small group of uh, eight people, and the tutor just led a seminar, a six-hour discussion on the opening lines of The Merchant of Venice. And they go, in sooth, I know not why I am so sad. It wearies me. You say it wearies you. But how I caught it, found it, or came by it, what stuff tis made of, where it is born, I am to learn. And such a want wit sadness makes of me that I have much ado to know myself. Yeah, it's a great opening. Yeah. And he said, so this idea of sadness, you know, that it's that it's wearing and, you know, that you don't know how you come by it or, you know, or how to get rid of it and so on. Uh, um, you, I mean, kind of, yeah, those that he says was the, the nugget of the film. That's what started off. You know, he says it was like the combination of what these lines are about and then that he had read the story about Russian sailors being stranded in Peru. Right, right, like, right there is a true yeah. story that this is yeah, I mean, to some extent based on. Well, I don't know if it's... Yeah, it's just, you know, it, I mean, I, it's totally imagined, but yeah. there were sailors stranded when a company went bankrupt and they were stranded in a port in Peru without sure. being able to go home, but without being able to, to, to land, right? So... Yeah, these two things is what kind of, yeah, the basis of right. of the film, um, and I think, well, I mean, kind of, you know, that opening is so great, and you can see how it is, you know, um, in 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 the film, yeah, like kind of all the Russians are sad, they're homeless, they're nostalgic for home, you know, they're nowhere, like they can't go back, they can't go forward, yeah, right, you know. Yeah, 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 it's kind of. Uh, I I think I think that's great, um, you know. So likewise, I mean, I think um, you know, there are things that you don't know, but you can surmise. So kind of Tito must be an orphan, right? Mm. Otherwise, you know, why is he, he being raised by this woman, right? There's not even any talk of his parents. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, uh, so um, kind of. Uh, um, yeah, he's kind of like the street dog that he takes in. He says, "I found this dog in the trash." That's right. And that's he's basically like that. That's me. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's being loved and cared for and so on, but obviously, you know, he can't tell Sonia about this other life he's leading, even though she keeps asking him because he, you know mm. he keeps getting home bruised, right? Uh, so someone's beaten him up, and but he doesn't say why or how. At that point in the film. I actually thought it was, you know, something to do with um, his selling stuff in the black market, right? Like, you know, though actually... Well, it may of, have done. It may have done, but subsequently, it also could be a homophobic attack. Yes. You know, he ended up with the wrong person, or he solicited the wrong person, or, you know, so kind of... I think those are all things that linger in the mind and make the film richer, you know. Um, I think the film is characterized by enormously long takes, mm. right? Um, I kind of it has my least favorite shots in cinema which is you know kind of we now have a steady cam, so people just use it to pursue characters everywhere and sometimes it's very unthink unthinking I think this is not unthinking I think it's purposeful yeah that kind of you know um, the camera follows these characters and then they turn around or you know then the background comes into focus I think all of that is really kind of very much thought through. Yeah, right? it's quite thoughtfully done. But I can sort of see what you mean. There, there is something about one or two of those shots that feels quite artificial. Yes. You notice the shots. Yes. Um, where, the, I, where, and there are others I, that don't. I'm thinking of uh, when the camera follows Tito going through the market and giving lunches to people and taking money and saying hello. That feels very natural to yes, me. Yes, it does. Whereas another shot where, which is of Vitya and the camera follows him down the street with a sack of spuds and he turns around... I think deliberately just so the camera can see his face basically feels very artificial feels quite staged I I agree Um, so uh, and then there are things that are just kind of beautiful like near the end where you're seeing uh, uh, Tolia through the porthole um, and kind of you don't know what's happening right and then again it comes into view that's a trope in the film you know, things are often in the background out of focus and then they come into view, mm. right? And that happens over and over and over again, 
right? And it's ironic in a way because, you know, in the film, it's um, things don't come into view for the characters. They keep their secrets. And that's how, you know, they can live with each other at the end, right? And I think that's also one of the reasons why I think the film is so great in that respect, actually. You know, because there's this moment where Tolia goes to confess, I think. Yeah, he goes to see Sonia, and you think that he's going to tell her, I killed your brother. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, she's obviously bothered by not seeing to uh, uh, Tito. And so she's got other things in her mind. And also, she thinks he's leaving her anyway, right? Because they're going back to Russia. So she keeps interrupting. She keeps saying, do you want some food? Uh, I have your shirts here. Take them away. Kind of, blah, yeah, give this mm -hmm. to that, yeah? So I think he tries to confess and is prevented from doing it by her, right? Mm. And then at a certain point, he just doesn't, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and which means that at the end, all three can live together, but with this huge secret the, in the middle of it, right? So, which again, is, I think is another thing about the film that is just so interesting. So, you know, kind of, yeah, this decision, certainly for Sonia, she feels her life is going to be better with them. She's had a loss, right? She needs family and help. On their end, you know, kind of, they, he has done something terrible by accident, right? Um, he didn't mean to, but nonetheless, it happened, right? And so he's got atonement and amendments to make, right? And I suppose the best thing he can do now is be with her and help her right in this restaurant I mean kind of nothing's going to bring the kid back but on the other hand it is like uh, something that you know it's it's quite a secret to have to keep yeah I'm, I'm, yes and I was kind know? of unclear on exactly what the secret was I suppose this came from my um, having uh, got the wrong end of the stick with the uh, with the uh, sex scene and the, the attack sort of scene um, well, Tolia basically kills him. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, not initially, because actually there's this beautiful moment where, you know, I think the film goes to quite deliberate lengths to, um, to absolve Tolia as much as possible of the blame, because A, you know, he punches him, right, uh, very hard, but he's not dead initially, right? So obviously he's caused damage. And then he tries his best to go help him. Uh, and he rose in the middle of nowhere so that his flare could be seen in the hospital book and come over. But his flare is drowned out by the fireworks. By the fireworks you know, because mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the, the, the village feasts. So, um, so basically there's nothing he can do to help. Yeah. That was basically the sense I got, yeah. yeah. Um, although, as I say, my, kind of my, my, understanding, my understanding of that, because I... Because what I saw in the uh, fight scene incorrectly was an attack by Tolia, a homophobic attack by Tolia. Then I kind of went on to see that as more as a kind of regret behavior that spoke to his regret of what he did. Let's pause it and see it again. Let's just go to that moment because if we find that moment, I think it only lasts about two minutes. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I am wrong. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying, kind of, you know. Let's just see if we can get something else out of that scene, right? Okay, so let's um, let's have a, let's pause it here. Yeah. Okay, so we have just revisited the scene in which uh, Tolia discovers uh, Vitya and Tito uh, having it away, mm. uh, and uh, an argument ensues. So, so what happens is Tolia says, "Oh, this again." Mm. <laughs> Basically, I thought I told you not to hang out with, with him. Um, and it's told uh, it's Tito who says sissy Russian you fucked it up and attacks mm. Vitya mm. Vitya falls to the floor he starts spasming Tolia goes over to help him out mm. um, and he pushes uh, uh, Tito away Tito comes back with a stick and attacks uh, Vitya some more yes and so Tolia responds by punching um, Tito twice in the head that's right so, so first Tito kicks the fallen Vitya. Yes. Then he goes at him with a stick, right? And then he goes at him kind of one more time, you know? So, um, yeah, it's kind of, it, I think it's important 
that it's Tito's own self-hatred that's that's driving it. Whereas, you know, actually Toya is, you know... Protecting his brother. Yeah, basically. Entirely. Uh, so... Uh, um, and and the, 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 the punches that he uh, plants on Tito are big, strong punches, as you said. Like, he's a forceful, strong guy. And you see him earlier in the film actually working out with a punching bag. Yeah. He's a guy who can... Uh, he's a fighter, you know. But um, clearly he didn't intend... No, and to, also, to, uh, to you know, it's, it was his third attack. His brother is having a spasm <laughs> on the other side. He needs Tito to be quiet, like, and get out of the way until, mm. you know, exactly. yeah, the brother's okay, right? So, so you can see that what motivates him to, yeah, that it hasn't come out of a mean place. You know, he hasn't planned to kill him. It's an accidental kind of manslaughter of a person he obviously likes very much. Right, and you know, who he's connected to through his love of his sister. Right. So so at the end, kind of that's a big secret to keep that yes. you know, you are the cause of the death of someone the person you love thinks of as their son. Right. And now of course you don't know, will this be a secret forever? Will it come out? Mm. Is that something that's going to, you know, always be in this relationship? You know, or is it something that they can all live with and accommodate, right? Yeah. yeah, but it kind of—I think it's a beautiful There's ending. A wonderful, wonderful shot where um, uh, Tolia accompanies Sonia to the police station, where they're going to file a missing persons report. Yes, and there's this wonderful shot of Sonia's on the left, tears in her eyes, and uh, Tolia's on the right, just looking almost blank, like it, it, it like like he, you know, he, well, he knows something clearly because he does, but like kind of no emotion and. And at one point, in one sense, you can look at it as the film is, in a sense, try, uh, drawing on a sort of difference, maybe maybe in stereotypical terms, uh, between a kind of Russian general mindset mm. and a sort of Latin general mindset. One is of stoicism and of not speaking and of not making emotions clear, and the other is of being quite open with emotions and yes. always talking. And what you were saying about Sonia, kind of, she talks to to cover up not having things in her life or, or, or not being able to talk about meaningful things mm. whereas you know in another sense the Russian characters just don't talk when they yes. don't have, when they can't when they have things that they want to cover up or not not, yeah. just, not reveal well you know they don't talk much unless they have something they want to say exactly you know um, one thing that I can tell you about that scene that we just revisited having revisited again I can remember that when I watched it the first time part of the reason that I missed what was actually going on is that I was distracted by having seen the aftermath to it earlier, uh-huh. and I was because I went, oh, this is that scene then, and I, so I, so from what happened, what I saw at the start of the film, I was trying to combine it with what was happening now, and kind of, oh, that's where he was, that's where, so this is what, he, so basically, that actually it was detrimental, I, because as much as I think that opening, as I said, was effective in kind of setting uh, some kind of mood and and asking questions, I. What I would also say is that I don't think it actually is beneficial ultimately to the entire film because I think what it then sets up, it, it, I don't think it's necessary for the film to start there. It could start at the start of its story. Mm. And I, um, the fact that it kind of asks these dramatic questions right from the beginning, why has he got a wound, who are these people, what's going on, mm. is then immediately kind of forgotten by the film. Do you know what I mean? It kind of starts at its most dramatic moment and then just forgets it. Yes. So as much as it was effective in the moment, yes. I think it's probably actually a negative for the yeah. entire film. Yes, yes, I think you're probably right. Um, I, you yeah. know, for myself, on my first viewing, to be honest, I actually didn't even make the connection. Mm. You know, I kind of, by the end of the film, I'd kind of forgotten that that's how it started. You know, so for me, it more just set a mood, right? Yeah. It's out of focus you know, kind of what's happening. There's a man turning over. He's very thin. You could see the bone sticking out of, you know, like the hip bone, you know. Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes into view and there's a wound, you know. And then it seemed like the story started. I mean, I kind of, I didn't realize on my first viewing that, you know, that was a flashback or that the film flashed back. Uh, I kind of worked out reasonably early that you that was did, a flashback. Be- <laughs> just because I thought, well, well, mostly because no one was talking about what happened. It didn't seem to have had any repercussions yes. in what immediately followed. So I thought, this is out of place somewhere. Yes. Um, 
and also because it is it is a trope to start a film in that way although it doesn't say you know three weeks earlier there there was a line in Rick and Morty where this character um, he says you have to read my screenplay (laughs) (laughs) and the screenplay starts off with its most dramatic moment and then goes cut to three weeks earlier and it's like ugh And and basically the show is mocking that thing of it's a, it's a cinematic cheat to start at the most dramatic moment and then go, and now we're going to show you how we got there to keep you hooked. So that's not exactly what this film does because it doesn't say you'll find out later how this happens yes. explicitly, but it's nonetheless doing something similar, it's giving you a hook, a dramatic hook that is kind of unearned from the beginning. Yeah, okay. Um, um, like I said, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even notice it the first time. I just thought it set up an interesting mood. You know, and also I read it like symbolically, the wound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so one of the things that I think is so interesting about the film, because I, I think um, Andrei Slotkov, who plays Tolia. Andrei Slotkov. Yeah, is a, is a very powerful presence. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just a presence in, in the film. Um, and actually, what I was told was that all of the actors, except Sonia, are non-professionals. All Is that of, okay? Yeah. yeah. So to get kind of, you know, these performances out of non-professional actors, it's, I think it's just amazing. I think, yeah. you know, because I think they're wonderful. Um, the only other moment that I find a bit weak, or not weak, but that could be a lot more effective for me, is the moment where that woman sings the song in the boat mm-hmm. you know because obviously it's meant to evoke it's in Russian you don't hear the lyrics you know the lyrics are not subtitled you get the feeling that it's meant to evoke a nostalgia it's a sad song it's a song from home it's a song from home and you hear the word Ruski right so <laughs> you know kind of but I just for me that should have been like a transcendental moment in the film you know, a moment of beauty and sadness and, yeah. And I just think the singer isn't good enough. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. I would have liked some, uh, you know, like an amazing voice mm. to sing that, right? And to, to evoke that feeling through song, right? Which I think it kind of does, but it's not powerful enough to make it a moment. Yeah, you can tell what the scene is supposed to be about. Yes. But it doesn't quite... Um, it's not quite executed to evoke it. And that's right. You know. you know, and I think that becomes so. So, so I suppose for me, those two moments, you know, which, you know, stand out because I think the rest of the film, in many ways, is so beautifully realized. Like you know, uh, all of those scenes, like in the market, the fireworks, the procession. You know, I like I love them so much. Actually, I think they're so amazing mm. that actually it kind of galls that these two are not so successfully realized. Um, I like I like the long takes. I like I like I like the slowness of the long takes. Yeah, the way. So, for example, when Sonia and Tolia are in bed, right? That it it allows you to discover things to think about things, right? Kind of, you know, what is their relationship? Kind of, you know, what do they mean to each other? How comfortable are they with each other? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, that it unfurls in a long take, their conversation. Mm -hmm. I think, to me, works very, very well. Um, Yeah. And to me, I had that that sense of... um that post-coital scene, remember from Shoplifters? Yes. The one Palm Door, the Japanese film, um, where it's it's just like I think we've said before about if you could if, if actors are naked and you can see uh, their taboo areas, mm. then like you're just distracted. And, and but films have to kind of come up with ways of th- there are other ways of showing naked people in love being naked with each other that are also kind of tactful or not distracting or that, and this this does that mm. you know like you, you just you get that the, these two are in love they have affection for each other they're shaking you know she just kind of drapes herself over his body yes the way that the way that the film does that um i mean i i hope i don't sound like a prude when i say that because i think it's not an issue of i don't want to see genitals but i think it's a case of when you do this is something that um uh 
Robert Webb from Michelin Webb said because he was naked in a film called Confetti and he and he said the problem is I was competing for attention with my own cock yes I think that's kind of the issue like you're yes. just you just are distracted you don't have the attention if, yes you know, so I think this film rather like Shoplifters finds uh, a really nice delicate interesting beautiful way of of mm. showing these naked people yes um Anyway, I mean, I think um, I think it's such a good film, um, and actually, it's I just think it's kind of it's an amazing work, you know, for a, a, a first film, and um, you know, one which clearly uh, um, doesn't have the biggest budget, you know, but actually looks very beautiful and is very expressive, mm. um, you know, and also. I I just think I want to see more films like these and I want more of these films you know to be shown and to circulate because even though you know I love popular cinema and I think popular cinema is deep also you know it's uh, it's not that popular cinema lacks depth um but a lot of it does you know mm. and actually kind of I think a film that tries to work through kind of, you know, what it is to be human in particular situations and kind of things like, you know, the striving for connection in the midst of kind of, you know, always being in a certain sense alone, you know, and kind of working out what that means to these particular characters uh, and showing us these new places, these new ways of being, these, yeah, these kind of different ways of life to our own. I think are just so important. I think the film does all of that really beautiful. I think, you know, Chimbote, the city, should give, you know, Miguel Ángel a prize for, <laughs> for promoting it because, you know, in a most banal way, one of the things that I felt when watching the film was, isn't this a beautiful place? I'd love to go there. You know, I'd love <laughs> to see that, you know, to see what that looks like live, you know. Yeah. Um, well, it's the only bit of Peru I think I've ever seen outside of Machu Picchu. <laughs> well, there you go. Aren't you glad I introduced yeah, you? <laughs> All right. So, would you recommend it? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I can see why it's been winning prizes, and if it comes around, you should definitely see it. It isn't in release yet. Um, uh, you know, though, I am hoping that it will. It, it will be shown in the UK at some point. I'm sure. Um, you know, but I, I just kind of want to signal that this is. A really, really good film. It deserves to be seen and it deserves to be shown. Uh, and I hope uh, you know someone in the UK brings it over. Yeah, and I should say, um, I should say, we're very grateful to Miguel Angel Moulet, yes, the writer director, for giving us the opportunity to see it. Yes, um, because you know it, it's probably not that likely to come to Birmingham very soon, at least. Yes, um, and you know, as you say, it's on the festival circuit, so you don't know exactly where and when it will be popping up. Yes, and if there are other distributors around listening to this, you should take note. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies. Final thing is because ah. you forgot to mention his name and you wanted to. The um, cinematographer. Oh, yes. You wanted to mention his name. Yes. Um, so, um, well, a couple of things, actually, that I want to mention. So, first of all, uh, Camilo Sorati's cinematography is just beautiful. You know, like it really is. It's 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 expressive and it's beautiful. And he captures the light in Chimbote in a way that is just, uh, you know, I mean, fitting in with what each scene is trying to express, you know, but also just a, a joy to behold. It's kind of it's very intense and dense light, but also quite melancholy, you know. And just the images alone are kind of you know our reason uh, to see the film. The other thing that we haven't discussed that I actually wanted to, it's one of the rare films that has no extra diegetic sound. I don't know if you noticed. You know, yeah, no music. It has, <laughs> the only music that, that, that you hear is diegetic one, right? And actually, I think that works quite powerfully, right? So, you know, because I think the sound is doing quite a lot of the work in the film, you know, particularly in the scenes of the boat and the sea, right? So kind of you know, where you're at and, you know, where you're at's relationship to, you know, the outside is all kind of being indicated to you by sound. Yeah, the waves rolling, mm. the feet, you know, the sounds of the steel on the boat. And I suppose know. in a way it's the lack of music, uh, lack of soundtrack music, that is, speaks to 
um, the kind of uh, sort of emotional isolation that is basically felt through basically every character. I yes. mean, um, the, the the idea that the film is similarly uh, kind of introverted and keeps itself to itself and isn't kind of uh, emphasising the emotion because that's what music essentially does emphasising emotion heightens things yeah. so the fact that it doesn't do that on the other hand the lack of diegetic music is kind of something I would expect from a film like this in a way ah. I think it's something that I've seen before if you think back to something like Custody that French film I don't remember specifically something I don't, wrong. I, I, don't, don't, I, don't I don't remember I specifically whether there was diegetic music or not but I'd be I doubt there was it's and very it has rare. That similar kind of feeling. It's very rare in films to have no no soundtrack. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me as that unusual for this. I must say, this kind of movie, basically an an art movie. Well, maybe it's because it works so well in this film. Yeah. But actually, I I, I can't remember another example. Okay. You know, well, of, of recent films. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so. But uh, it's certainly effective. Yeah, it's very that. it's very effective in this film. Uh, so. Um, yeah, uh, uh, um, it's another of the things um, that the film just does so well. Uh, so, um, yeah, I would highly recommend it, and I really hope uh, that someone in the country picks it up. And I'm really, like, so pleased and, and uh, um, well, yeah. you know, just pleased that, uh, you know, you're always wary when kind of friends of yours write books or whatever, or make movies. It's like kind of you almost don't want to see them, really. You know, because you're so afraid that it, they'll be bad, right? You know, <laughs> so uh, I was just so delighted that this, you know, this is so good and has been winning prizes and has been doing so well, and that actually repays the second viewing. Yeah. You know. Uh, That's so, good. Yeah. So. And it repa- and it pays the first viewing. I really enjoyed watching it, and as you say, I mean, I I, I don't know um, this man at all, um, but I, I know that he's someone who uh, you know, and so in in that sense of like. Look at what my friend made. He's like, oh god, what if I don't like it? Well, no, no, no. Like, I, 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 I was aware of that danger. Yes. You know, but then also I thought, you know, just in terms of criticism, I also, th- you know, and in terms of just being honest about what we see, then I thought, you know, I, I wanted your input because then you, you also think, are you feeling so warmly about it and do you think it's so great, you know, because... It's someone you know who made it, right? Yeah. You know, uh, or is it really you know good? Yeah. So I kind of that's also why I wanted your input. Yeah, as a as a check on me. So had you thought very differently to me, then that would have also made an interesting conversation. I think. Sure. Fair enough. We are eavesdropping at the movies. <laughs> uh, we are on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Um, on social media, we're on Twitter and Facebook, and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.